Good morning. I'm going to take a, take a swig of water here. I was at a, a concert last night in Saskatoon and caught myself to be right in the middle of this show, about a thousand people in this little club. And of course, there's smoke machines and stuff, so I think some of that's kind of giving me a bit of a scratchy throat this morning. But it is great to be together, amen? To, have, uh, to celebrate Palm Sunday, to, to be in the Word of God, and it's just exciting to be together, uh, to, to spend some time seeing what the Lord has for us this morning. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and it is just uh, my honor to, to be able to lead us today through the Scriptures. So as, as Pastor Josh has said already, we've been going through this series, a difficult series in some ways, on the kiss of Jesus, we've called it Suffering in the Christian Life. So we've talked about things. Pastor Josh did a sermon on when healing doesn't happen. We've talked about depression, when disaster strikes. Very, very heavy, heavy, heavy topics. And, and just the reality of suffering is a part of, of being a follower of Jesus. And the title for this sermon originally was When We Face Spiritual Opposition was kind of what we had come up with when we decided a title to tie into this. And for those of you who have ever preached a sermon, when you start digging into the text sometimes and, and exegeting and seeing things and praying and talking to people, it seemed like that word, just kind of opposition, wasn't really fitting with what, uh, what I thought this text was kind of saying as I was going through it. So, so I decided to change the title of the sermon. So you see it up there, is when we face spiritual blindness. And we're going to get into that, what that means in this passage this morning. So, just so if you see that in your bulletin, that's, that's the change, uh, why we did that. So, let's just pray before we come to the Word of God this morning. Lord, we thank you again for the honor to be in your house together. We thank you that you are the King of Kings. And on this Palm Sunday, we celebrate who you are. And also we have mixed emotions as we know what is to come as Easter approaches. And so as we go into this text this morning, Lord, give us spiritual eyes to see what you want us to see this morning. What you want to speak to us in our lives this morning. Lord, we thank you that your word is a sword that pierces to the deepest parts of our hearts. So Lord, help us be open to your truth this morning. Lord, may your words be coming through me this morning, that this would not even be me, Lord, that you would be speaking, your Holy Spirit be speaking to us this morning. Thank you for the journey we've been on through these difficult topics, and that you've been helping us, guiding us through the word, Lord, of where you are in these difficult times. So as we come to this topic this morning and look at the story of when you entered Jerusalem, that we would be able to see truth of what it means for us, and what it means for the world around us and, and how you want us to be living this Christian life. So we give you all the praise and glory today, Jesus. Amen. So yeah, as, as has already been mentioned, obviously, Palm Sunday this morning, and we are in the passage that is about Palm Sunday. So if you want to, uh, to turn with me, we are in the book of Luke, chapter 19. And we're doing verse 28 to 44. Luke 19, 28 to 44. Why don't we stand as we read the word of God this morning together? After Jesus had said this, he went on, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Beth Bethphage 
and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, tell them, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So we usually see Palm Sunday as what we already saw this morning, as, as happy and clappy with, with kids waving palm branches, singing Hosanna. And, there, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Because when you look at the other synoptic gospels, as Pastor Josh was always sharing with the kids, that, that is what happened. They were singing Hosanna, praising Jesus as the King. But as we look at what this account says about the triumphant entry, there, there are no hosannas. There are no palm branches mentioned, which is just really interesting, the different views through the Gospels. See, in this passage, we get a bit of a different picture. A couple different things happen in this passage that don't take place in the other synoptic Gospels. Jesus weeping. The Pharisees telling him, silence your disciples. It's almost you get a feeling that it was kind of more of a subdued kind of affair. And when we think of, when we think of Palm Sunday, we think of more... My clicker's going to work here. Can you just switch it for me, Brody? You might have to jump in. I never have luck with clickers. That's, uh, there we go. Right? This is what we view. We see the children screaming out there. Jesus riding in on the donkey. But this seemed to be more kind of a subdued, quiet affair where it was his followers coming into Jerusalem. And so I want to just walk through this passage today and share what was, what was going on in some of these deeper details. And this is what I love about preaching and preparing sermons. When we look deeper into the Word of God, we see different layers of what's going on that bring different meanings. The Word of God is so rich and so deep and so powerful. So he was approaching Jerusalem. This was always the plan since, since Luke 9. He was headed towards Jerusalem because that's where everything is going to go down, right, as we come to Easter. So he was heading up to Jerusalem. As he approached, there was the two, the two suburbs, Bethphage and Bethany, and the Mount of Olives. 
And that's when he tells his disciples, go, because there's going to be a colt tied up in a village nearby. We don't know exactly where it was. And go and get it for me. And there's a few things we want to see here as we look deeper in what this shows us. This was, first of all, not a coincidence. Okay? This was not Jesus saying, you know what? I've always wanted to ride on a donkey into Jerusalem, so today's the day. I've been waiting for this. That, that's, that's not what this was. This was been talked about in Scripture before, in Zechariah. Switch again from Rudy. We'll just go with the visuals here as we go. Yeah, just switch to the side. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, it has been talked about. And so this shows God's omniscience. He knew exactly where that donkey was. He knew exactly what needed to happen. And he simply said, go and tell them that I need it. Can you imagine if God told you tomorrow that you need to go to this guy in Moose Jaw, go up to his car, he's got a nice Mercedes, go up to him and just say, hey, I need it. The Lord needs it. And do that, right? Like this is, this is what, he's, what is happening here. There is great meaning to why he wanted this donkey. And so they go, and they, and they get the donkey. The guy asks them, well, what are you doing? Why are you untying this donkey? He's, well, the Lord needs it. Oh, okay, okay. That, that's good. The Lord, the, the Lord can have it. Because, see, at this time, it was great significance to the donkey. Okay? The donkey was an animal that was a worker, that was, was known to be something that you would use for work, was more of a servant-type animal. And so it was also tied into carrying burdens. It was also an animal of sacredness. When you look back in Scripture, when a king would ride in in a time of peace to a village, he wouldn't ride in on a horse. He would ride in on a donkey. It was an animal of gentleness. You see peace, carrying burdens, sacredness, gentleness. All this was tied into this simple, little, stubborn donkey. There was great meaning to that. And so then they bring the donkey to him. And then he rides it into Jerusalem. And, and what is happening at Jerusalem in this time is it was just right before Passover. So Jerusalem would have been packed. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people would have been there for the celebrations that were to come. The city would have just been bursting. You know, last night I told you I was at a concert and felt like kind of an old guy in the middle of all these young folks in the middle of this place and just crowded, couldn't even move. And it made me think of that's kind of what it was probably like on this day in Jerusalem. And so he was riding in with his disciples. And they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. And so he comes into the city and see, Jesus would have been known See, for the miracles, everyone kind of would have known who Jesus was. But they didn't really know who he was. Let me say that again. They knew who he was, but they didn't really know who he was. And so that's what was missing there. Can you switch the slide again for me, Brody? Sorry. No luck here. See, they missed the visitation. The, the Son of God the Savior is right here in their presence, coming in. They would have seen, some of them would have seen him ride in on the donkey and would have known what that meant about him being a king. But they missed the visitation. 
And so all along, this has been leading up to this. You can look in Daniel 9, there's prophecy, and I won't get into it because I'm not a math guy, but there's all sorts of things that are talked about there about weeks and years and numbers, and people have done research. A guy in Scotland Yard decided to look into this and did all the math, and it added up the math that was in Daniel 9 prophecy to the exact day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. That shows God's power, doesn't it? The perfect plan. And so he rides into the city. And a variety of things happening on Palm Sunday. They were celebrating, saying he's the king, laying down palm branches, as we've seen, like I said, in other, in other Gospels. But while they were celebrating, let's look at Jesus. What was Jesus thinking? And that's what I was thinking as I was reading this. What was Jesus thinking as he was riding in on this donkey? What was his view of what was going on? Was he putting his hands out and, and saying, yeah, yeah, bring it, bring, bring the praise, bring the praise. Well, first of all, this is an interesting event because this is the first time in Jesus' ministry that he is accepting public worship. He is accepting public worship. Why? Because he's worthy. Amen? He is worthy to be praised. He is the king. So this was his time to accept worship and praise. And why did he do it at this particular time? You know, the Romans wanted to wait to get rid of Jesus till after Passover. Do you know that? They wanted to get through Passover, get that all done with, let the city empty, and then we're going to take care of this Jesus guy. That wasn't God's plan. God wanted it to go down at the time of Passover while the city was packed to make a public demonstration that he is the king. That was the perfect plan. So while they were celebrating, picture this. Jesus is riding in, and he's looking around, and he's seeing Jerusalem, the great city, and the towers, and all the things that are around there, and the people. And do you know what he saw? In his eyes, rubble. He looked, and he saw rubble. He could see what was to come. Can you switch that again, Brody? Unless you can get it going. <laughs> okay, let's, just, let's keep going here. He saw rubble. See, right here, John 1, 11, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. They missed the visitation. Because you know what happens 30 years later or so from this time? Jerusalem is rubble. And so he could see what was to come. And so why, or what did this make him feel? You know, every direction Jesus looked, when he looked back in history, the nation that had wasted its opportunities had been ignorant of who he was. When he looked within, when he saw the people and looked within, he saw spiritual ignorance and blindness, which we're talking about today, in the hearts of the people. He probably maybe looked at someone and saw them waving palm branches and shouting his name, and at the same time he could look at that person, I'm not looking at anyone in general here, a person, and he could see them and say, I can see them now in a week's time shouting crucify him. Can you imagine what that would have done to him? Well, we don't need to imagine because we see what it says right here of how he wept. When he looked around, he saw religious activity that accomplished little. The Pharisees, the temple, been turned into a den of thieves right after this. He clears out the temple. And when he looked ahead, he saw the judgment that was coming. So question for us, what do we see when we look in these directions in our own life? When we look back, what do we see? 
when we look within us, when we look around us, when we look ahead, what do we see? Are we sometimes so internally focused on ourselves that we become spiritually blind to what God is actually doing within us and around us? Are there times where we are celebrating and God is lamenting about something in our lives? You know, the enemy blinds us. God opens our eyes. And so we get this picture, the clearest picture in this whole passage I want to zone in on is Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. This is not just crying. This is not just him in a corner kind of sniffling. This is weeping. This is heartfelt sobbing. Can you picture this? Jesus and the disciples around him, and he's looking at this city, and he is sobbing. See, they seem unable to recognize God's salvation when it's right in front of their eyes. All you need to do is flip back, chapters back, chapters back, and see how God keeps, Jesus keeps telling them, the kingdom is coming. I am the son of God, over and over and over. Yet still, even his disciples, not until after he was gone, were starting to put things together. See, they expected Jesus, when he rode into Jerusalem, to overthrow Roman power. They were expecting a political king to come and save them from the Roman rule. And what they got was a weeping Savior on a donkey. Oh, we're jumping through some slides in there. The example I have there of the picture of the, of the Hummer was the example of that's what they were expecting. When you see a Hummer in military, it's powerful, it's fortified, it's used in war. But instead, you want to go to the picture of the car there, Brody? I'm putting Brody to work today, sorry. Right? There you get a VW bug with peace symbols on it. That's the contrast between he didn't ride in on a war horse, he rode in on a donkey, symbolizing peace. And he says, he says right here, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. You know, and then the Pharisees go up to him because the Pharisees could see him riding on the donkey and they knew that people knew that that meant he was a king. So what did they want to do? You better sh- shut him up. Tell your disciples, close their mouths. Because they didn't want this to turn into a revolt. And they were fearful. So they said to Jesus, tell your disciples, rebuke them right now. And what does Jesus say? He says, even if they are silent, the stones will cry out. And as I've done some research into this, usually when we hear that, we think, okay, God and creation and the trees and the stones will cry out. And that's true. God, the creation sings to God. But what I read from from John MacArthur in his commentary and a sermon I saw of his is very interesting. The other time the stones is mentioned in this passage is, they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another which means that Jerusalem was going to be leveled, flattened, nothing left. And so what John MacArthur says is, the stones that are going to cry out are going to be the stones in 30 years after Rome destroys it. And they're going to cry out as a testimony of God's people rejecting him. So even when they're silenced, even when the disciples are all gone, those stones are going to be a testimony of how they rejected God. They were visited by the Messiah, and they missed it. And that could be an example of what the stones he's talking about are crying out. 
if you want to go to a picture of the, the city there, I forgot. There's a city in war times called Dresden. Some of you might have, have know this from World War II in Dresden in Germany. And this was it post, sorry, pre-World War II. Beautiful city. Doesn't it look, it looks beautiful, right? A European beautiful city. Well, in World War II, the Americans and the British bombed Dresden with about 200, I think, 70-some bombers in different raids. And then go to the next picture there, Brody. And that's what it looked like after. So that is an idea of thinking about Jerusalem. That's what they had seen. That's where he was at the present time. But that's what was coming to them. So what is the lesson for us? If we reject God and miss his visitation, the same catastrophe that came down upon Jerusalem will come upon our lives. If we reject God, then that judgment and catastrophe will be upon us. See, they were probably expecting Jesus to come, as Pastor Josh was saying, roll out a red carpet, set up a pulpit, and give a big speech of, I'm going to overthrow Rome. Here's my political plans. And what do they get? He flips, he flips it on them and gives them judgment at the end of this passage. While they were celebrating, he was proclaiming judgment upon them. So in our own lives, What do we do when you face the Lord's visitation? What do you do when you're confronted with with God? Maybe there is someone here right now who has never accepted Jesus. And he is here. He brings salvation. And if you reject Jesus, then you will bring catastrophe upon your life. That's the truth. That's what scripture says. You need to accept Jesus to have eternal life. So what will you do when you face the Lord's visitation? What are the things in your own life where you may be spiritually blind? Because that's what was happening here. The disciples were blind to what was going on. The Pharisees were blind to what was going on. The people in Jerusalem. And Jesus is riding the donkey saying, you don't have a clue. You don't have a clue who I am. You don't have a clue what's going to happen next Sunday, and you don't have a clue what's going to happen in 30 years or on and on and on. We serve a God who knows all those details. And if he knows all those details in this one story, how much more does he know the details of your life? And when we feel like things are out of control, that God is in ultimate control. If he knows exactly where a donkey is and how to get it and where to, all these details, he is in ultimate control of our lives. And he gives us spiritual eyes if we ask him. So you know what we need to be like, and this may sound funny, but we need to be like the donkey in some ways. Because you know what? The donkey was the most compliant in this whole story. Donkeys usually are stubborn animals who won't go where you want them to go. That's what they're known as. But this donkey was used as a tool and God used it, and it, it went where God wanted it to go, and it was used as a tool to bring him in. We need to be more like that donkey. And that may sound ridiculous, but that's what I see in this text. Don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be like the disciples. That, that donkey was used as a symbol of God's kingdom to come. So as we look at our own country, if you want to bring up that, that picture there of Canada there, Brody. 
When you think of Canada, we're, we're in Canada right now. Let's bring this to where we are. You Google Canada, this is what comes up. It's one of the top pictures. Beautiful picture. I, I don't know if they, where this is, a band or whatever. Mountains, trees, and, and northern, like this is what comes up when you view Canada. When people outside of Canada think of Canada, what they think about is it's a peaceful place. Beautiful nature. Polite people. And we need to realize that there are many things going on that are opposing us in our own country. Even when you look at politics right now, things that are going on that are opposing us. There's spiritual blindness all around us. Politicians who are telling us, you need to follow my values, and if you don't, then I'm going to take funding from what you're doing in charities. This is what's happening currently in our country. It's a beautiful picture up there, but there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of spiritual blindness going on right around us. So let's ask the Lord to open our eyes to see what is going on, to speak truth of who this king was, who this king is, and who this king is to come. When all the things are going on in our world that are crashing down, and it seems like things are catastrophic, we need to make sure our hope is in that king, our king on the donkey. The king who went from the donkey to the cross to the tomb and ascended. That's who our hope is in. And let us never, ever lose sight of that. Let us never, ever miss who he is. Because when we miss who he is, there's great pain that will come in our lives. And when we have those times where we do miss and we're spiritually blind, we need to repent. There needs to be a lot of repentance happening within us. Because Jesus was weeping over Jerusalem. And they should have been weeping themselves over the sin in, our, in their lives. And the same thing for us. We need to take time sometimes to weep over how we put things above God. And as Pastor Josh already said, how on Sunday we will come here and we will praise God and we will worship Him on Sunday. And maybe on Thursday we're shaking our fist at Him. We need to repent of those times. And we need to realize that God is our hope and our hope is in the King. And when He does return, it won't be on a donkey. It will be on a, on a horse. If you have that picture there, Brody. I think I have a picture in there. <clears throat> That's how he's going to return. To, to bring judgment, the king of kings. And let us not lose that focus as well. He will return triumphantly. It will be another triumphant entry. And for those who don't know Jesus, it will not be a good day. For those who do, it will be the best day of celebration. Singing Hosanna praising his name. So I urge you once again today, if you don't know Jesus, come to know him. Talk to anybody here so we can share with you the good news of who he is. And if you've been in a time of distancing yourself from him, you can come back to Jesus and he will accept and will walk with you once again through the suffering in our lives, through the good and through the bad times. So let's not miss the visitation. Let's remember who he is, the power he has. 
and that he is the one who is the king of kings worthy to be praised. The one who we have journeyed with and we are continuing to journey to the cross who who took the pain of the nails and the only crown that was for this king was a crown made of thorns. There was no golden crown waiting for Jesus at the cross. There was a brutal crown made of thorns. There was no hands raising, praising him. There was hands hammering nails in his body. This is what he took for us, our king who loves us, who brings reconciliation to us through his sacrifice and resurrection. So it's very fitting today, as through Lent we've been doing, we come to the communion table. And this will be a time where we can reflect on what happens the Sunday after what we just read. All the events that were then to take place. And the, and the conflict that was going on in Jesus' heart in the garden. He wept again. Sweat drops of blood. He had his own closest friends deny him. Same people that were praising him were now condemning him. But he took all of that for us. And so when we come to this table today, let's remember just how much God loves us. Communion is about God's love for us and remembering that he did all of this, stooped into our darkness, took the cross, tasted death, and he shook it off for us. So I want to invite those who are um, helping with communion to come forward. And we're going to take some time to reflect